Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you all. Now, wonderful. First slide is up there. Today, I've learned something from Nathan when he preaches, and that is that people like eating chocolate. So Ken, Ken's going to be my thrower. He doesn't know about that yet. If I can get ice cream in my hands and not have a clue it's coming, he can throw. It's awesome. Because I can't really throw very well, so... I want people beyond the fourth row to get a chance to get a chocolate. So you can, you can just one. one. They have to get the answer right, you see. It's like a little test on a Sunday morning. Okay, so since Vision Sunday, we have been learning about our theme for the year, which is forward. Can anyone tell us what does forward mean? What do we mean by Forward. What exactly? That's or no. That's not what Nathan said. Colin. Stepping into what God has for you, that's part of it. He can have a chocolate for that. You you can get a whole one, Colin. Maybe I need a new thrower. <laughs> you, you did good, Ken. All right. Um, yeah, throw like that. That'd be good. And if you hit other people, Nathan does it all the time, so don't worry about it. All right. Something else, as well as stepping into Rachel. Not, oh, not yet. Keep that idea in mind. Fiona? Not yet. Again, keep it in mind. Mark? Okay. Ooh. I'll have to report back to Nathan. <clears throat> Failed attempt. No, <laughs> joking. He's kind of getting there. What it means to move forward is to be deliberate about obeying God, about doing what he wants us to do, about loving other people, being deliberate about serving other people, being deliberate about pursuing our purpose, getting free, and sharing Jesus. Now, <laughs> do you want, I have a confession. I happened to share the computer that Nathan uses, so I went back to Vision Sunday and went, what exactly did he say? So I don't really deserve the chocolate. All right. <laughs> Doing well. Awesome. All right. Now, the next thing, so Rachel and Fiona and anyone else who remembered, the next thing we have been learning about for the last few weeks are roadblocks to moving forward. What does that mean? What is a roadblock to moving forward? Rachel. Excellent. She can get a chocolate. You'll have to share it with someone else. Um, so, good. Now... Next one. Who remembers what some of the ones were that we've already looked at so far? Nina. Yeah. Fear is one of them. Anyone closer up? Shame, Kara. It was partly anxiety. You can get it. It wasn't the exact roadblock. It was close. You did so well, though. Yes, Jackie. Pain. Pain, we did sickness, pain, and they go together. Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Any, 
Anything else? Yes. Guilt. Yes, guilt was one of them, I think. Guilt and shame. It's, there you go. Getting practice. Kara has another one. Does anyone want to beat Kara to... Oh, yes, Mrs. Green. Lack of vision. Well done. A good mother right there listening to her son. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Kara has another one. Oh, so go. Ooh. There was lack of vision, which maybe... We didn't do unbelief. It wasn't in there. But could be. The flesh was in there. That was last week's, wasn't it? The week before's. Anything else? We said fear. Did we say fear? Good job. That's all of them then. Thank you, Ken. Your job here is done. Everyone give him a clap. He did so well. His throwing was much better than mine would have been. Today, our next roadblock is not engaging God. Keep that in mind. But I know Nathan likes to tell stories about me, so I thought I'd tell one about me myself. (laughs) A nicer one and more accurate. So as I grew up, and even now, I like putting things together. I like fixing things. I like making things. don't get to do it very often, but... It's what I like to do. So as a child, I had a little tiny, <clears throat> sorry, forget these things, Ferris wheel, Oh, which we don't want to see completely yet. So I had a little Ferris wheel and it stopped working. You have to wind it up and then it'd spin around and it stopped. So I thought, I'm going to fix this. I'll pull it apart. So I got out a screwdriver and I pulled it apart to see if I could fix it. Because I knew that inside of this Ferris wheel, something was not working properly. There might have been just one thing that wasn't working properly. And if that wasn't working properly, that might have stopped the next thing from working and the whole thing had stopped. So, what has that got to do with not engaging God? Is that what you're thinking? Good. I'm glad to hear it. Well, we're going to find out. Yes. So, today, the theme is not engaging God. And so we're going to start by looking at a definition of what engaging means. There are several definitions I found But the one that seemed to be accurate for what we are talking about today was one to do with machines, which was kind of handy because I like putting things together. So it means to make one part of a machine fit into and move together with another part of a machine. And other words you could use instead of fit into or fit together are interlock, join together, join, unite, connect or yoke. Some of those words, if you've been reading your Bible, you may have heard in there already. I'm going to move this up. It seems a long way down. Okay. Thank you. All right. So, we're going to forget about the machine part because we're clearly not machines. So, we're going to take the machine bit out. And we're just going to say, to make one part fit into and move together with another part. And then I think we can take it a step further and get your name ready to put in for the first word part and then put God at the end. I'll put my name. To make Michelle fit into and move together with God. Or I'll pick on people. I'm learning so much from Nathan. To make Donna fit into and move together with God. To make Nina, who's all the way out the back, fit into and move together 
with God. So if our roadblock for today is not engaging God, it's when we are not fitting into and moving together with God. Now, I might need some help. Sam. I'm going to, ready? This is a stew the chef kind of moment. I'm going to drill the point home further. (laughs) Yeah. So, you're going to be my microphone holder. So, you've got the bit for the drill. Nathan needed to tell me. He didn't need to tell me. He thought he needed to tell me that was the Phillips head part of a drill. Didn't really need to. That's okay. So, it's really useless information. This is the Phillips head part. I could use this to try and put things together by using my hand, but it would take a really long time, true? So, if we pretend for a second that this is God and this is us, if we really want to be moving forward how we're supposed to and be effective, then we need to join together. I don't know how Nathan's left this. Ooh, he's left it with a lock on. Yeah. I like drills. Drills are fun. Um, I'm just too scared to use them on my cupboard, my walls at home, in case I make a mistake. I have to deal with Nathan. So, if it's in there, all of a sudden, it has a lot more power and it's more effective. Remember, this is us engaging with God to move forward. So again, going back to my Ferris wheel very quickly, it's the same concept. Something inside was not engaging how it was supposed to, and my Ferris wheel would not move forward. Now, when we do engage with God, it's easy to naturally obey him and to move forward with him, to live in freedom and purpose that he offers. The problem is that engaging with God is a deliberate decision. And it's not something that comes naturally to us. And it's something that it's more easy not to do than it is to actually do. Now, I became a Christian when I was four. So three decades later, I have the privilege of looking back at my life and seeing how God has been working in it. I can look back and see times when I chased after God and I can see times when God felt really close and I can see the amazing things that he did. But... I can also look back and see the times when I stopped engaging with God. I stopped connecting with him and moving with him. The first time I can remember doing that the most was probably in later years of primary school and early high school where I really hadn't learned how to connect with God any differently than I had as a child. And so I was still, I'd pray every night, but it was the same prayer I prayed. And I would read the Bible, but... I was doing it out of habit. I wasn't really doing it to connect with God. So it wasn't really helping me how it needed to, which thankfully changed when I got to year 11 and 12 and I learned more about how to connect with God, how to join with him and how to move how he wanted me to move. When I was a young adult, it seemed pretty easy to connect with God. I had a room to myself at home and I could put worship music on and worship God whenever I wanted to didn't have to worry about anybody else. I could read the Bible until late at night. didn't bother anybody at all. And I had time to hang out with my Christian friends, go to church, go to Christian events, all those things that I could do. I had heaps of time to do them. But then I got married at 23 and had my first son at the age of 25. And that's when it started to get a bit harder. So I had a room that I shared now. And Nathan would say, do you have to leave the light on? 
when I wanted to read the Bible. That wasn't so good. So I'd turn it off faster than I would have in the past. And when you have kids, you can't just play music whenever you like because they might be sleeping or, you know, something. For whatever reason, I couldn't do that how I had before. And then as my other two children came along, my time to actually spend with God got much smaller. And then I went back to casual work, and again, the time gets even smaller. Does anyone else understand what I'm saying? Been there, felt the same way? Well, I gradually found myself not really engaging with God, not connecting with God how I had in the past, and not really doing it again at that point in time. It was much more difficult. The other thing that stopped me from engaging with God was when I allowed emotional baggage to get in the way. Feelings like anger or resentment or bitterness, things like that to creep in. Nathan's already shared in several times at church how he was really busy when he started, when we first got married and Aidan was born. And that had a big impact on me and Um, As a result, I held on to a lot of baggage that I shouldn't have and I didn't deal with in the way that I should have. And that also stopped me from going to God in the way that I should have and connecting with him. Now, just in case I haven't made this very clear, when I talk about engaging with God, I'm talking about reading the Bible. And not just reading the Bible and doing it as a habit like I had, but reading it and saying, God, what is it you want me to hear today? What is it you're trying to say? Praying, and not just praying and rattling off a prayer, but praying sincerely and praying and saying, God, what is it you want to say? I need help with this decision. What should I do? And waiting on God to answer. Meeting with other Christians. That can be catching up with a friend who's a Christian over coffee, over a meal, coming to a life group, coming to church, or even having a mentor who will help you to remember the importance of meeting with God. I've already mentioned worship music, having that and spending time focusing on God and who he is and thanking him and praising him for how wonderful he is. For some people, nature is a big thing of how they engage with God. They go to the beach, they see the amount of water and the waves and how powerful they are and they just remember that God is awesome and they thank him for that. And then there's the arts, through dance or drama or singing or anything like that, are ways that we can engage with God. So today, I want you to have a look back at your life. Let me go back a slide. And have a think about, if you're a Christian, are there ways or times when you did not engage with God? You don't have to answer out loud. It's just for you to think about. Were there times when you stopped joining with God and moving how he wanted you to move? where you stopped intentionally obeying when you knew, knew he wanted you to do something. And remember that it's about us joining with God. It's not about a habit. It's not about doing things just for the sake of doing them, but it's intentionally coming to God. Have there been times when you've done that? And can you look back and see the effect that had on your life? You don't have to tell me what it was, but who can look back and see times when they stopped engaging with God? Hands nice and high. Awesome. Most people, which is true. We all go through that at some point, if you've been a Christian for a while. 
So, there are definitely effects to not engaging with God, and they're not good. They are things like feeling like God's distant from you, which can mean that you feel alone. When we don't engage with God, who tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are loved, start, we start to forget who we are and perhaps go back to the things we got taught as a child. You're no good. You'll always fail. You can't do it. Who are you to try and do whatever? Not engaging with God can mean that we make small decisions that at the time we know God wouldn't like, but they seem so tiny it doesn't matter until eventually they become a big deal. When we don't engage with God, we can forget that he has a purpose for our life and we feel like life is meaningless. We can have wrong thinking, worry, anxiety and fear. We can be tempted more easily and fall more easily because we don't have God there to remind us of his ways and what we should do. We can forget that God is an amazing, big God when we don't connect with him, when we don't go back and read the Bible and hear all the amazing things he's done, when we don't go and pray and say, God, thank you for the things he's done in the past and remember that for the future. And a big one that we do very easily when we stop engaging with God is that we believe the lies of the enemy. Did God really say that he loved you? Does God really care about you? He doesn't really care. You don't matter to anybody. We can believe all those things much easier when we don't engage with God. So the thing is, not only does not engaging with God stop us going forward, it actually can mean that we go backwards. And we go back to those places where for most of us we wanted to leave in the first place. When we came to Jesus, we were so thankful that anxiety decreased or went away. And all of a sudden, we're feeling anxious because we stopped going to the one who dealt with that in the first place. Now, the good news is for us that we're not the first people to go through not engaging with God. So before, if you're a bit worried about putting your hand up and admitting that you have had times where you don't engage with God, or perhaps at the moment you know you're really not engaging with God, how how he would want you to and how you need to, there is good news because the Bible gives us the way forward. Now we can have a look at this man. This is King Saul. And King Saul is our person we're going to look at today to see what happened to him when he didn't engage with God. Now we learn about King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 9, we find out that he was very handsome and a tall, man, a tall man, a head taller than anyone. Sounds a lot like Nathan, doesn't he? Very handsome and tall. We find out in chapter 10 that he was anointed as the very first king of Israel. And back in chapter 9, we find out that he is the one who's going to save the Israelite people from the Philistines. He's going to have a special job to do from God. In chapter 10, we also find out that the Spirit of God comes on Saul and he prophesies. He gives messages or words from God to people. We find out that he acts with wisdom because God's power comes on him in chapter 10 again. And there's some people who don't want to follow him as king. And so God's power comes on Saul. He acts in a certain way. And as a result of doing that, when God's power comes on him, 
the people who were against him all join with the others who were following him and they meet as one and defeat the Ammonite people. So God's hand is on him and he's connecting with him and they're moving forward into what God had for them. But if we get to chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, Saul starts to lose the plot a little bit because he had an agreement with Samuel the prophet and that was that he was supposed to wait seven days, Samuel would come and they would offer burnt offerings. Samuel would offer the burnt offerings, not Saul. But when Samuel doesn't come at exactly the time he wanted, he gets a little bit stressed. And so he decides he will offer the burnt offerings instead. And not only does he offer the burnt offerings instead, he doesn't actually ever say that he did the wrong thing. He tries to cover it up. And it's as a result of this one act that God says that he will remove the kingdom from Saul which he does eventually, but we'll get there. In chapter 15, verse 30, I thought it was interesting that Saul says to the prophet Samuel that he wants to go and worship the Lord your God. So he wants to go with Samuel to worship the Lord your God, not the worship the Lord our God or worship the Lord my God, but your God. And it shows that there's distance there, that he isn't engaging with God and he's gotten to the point where it's not even... God's not even his God that he's talking about. Then we have David and Goliath and Saul doesn't stand up and say, look, God's protected us before. He's on our side. We can kill this giant Goliath. Instead, he's just as afraid as the rest of the Israelites. David is the one who comes along and says, this is God's army. We are God's people and we will, we will beat this person. God will protect us. Not long after that in chapter 18, we find out that Saul is jealous of David because David is more successful than Saul is. And that sets the beginning of Saul wanting to go and kill David. And he does it day after day. And he goes again and again. He doesn't just go by himself to do it. He takes 3,000 men to try and find Saul and kill him. We find in chapter 19 that his son Jonathan... Saul's son, Jonathan, who is best friends with David, says, Dad, what has David done that you would kill him? And so he makes an oath and says, I won't put David to death. He even uses the words, as surely as the Lord lives. He says he won't hurt him. But that's in chapter 19, verse 6. In chapter 19, verse 15, he breaks his oath. So not long later, and he tries to get David brought to him so he can kill him. Again and again, he does that. Until... Eventually, Saul is killed in battle. Not only Saul, but his sons, his armor bearers, and all his men in chapter 31 of 1 Samuel. Because Saul did not engage with God, we see him become afraid of his enemies. He makes really bad decisions. He becomes jealous and angry. He has evil thoughts. And he doesn't even keep his word, even to his son. And there's more in there. That he doesn't do. That's just some of the things. And unfortunately, we can find ourselves doing exactly that. We can also become jealous and angry and have wrong thinking. Now, Saul's story ended badly, but there is hope for us because we can see what Jesus says about it in the New Testament. What does Jesus say is the answer to engaging with God and not falling away? So we're going to have a quick look at John chapter 15, verse 1. He says, 
I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Fruitful? Fruitful, sorry. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, I don't know if you picked it up, but in those verses is the word remain in a lot. In fact, in 12 verses, it's used 11 times, remain in. So there's a few of them. I'm going to reread it, but we just have to remember that we need to remain in Jesus as he remains in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The answer, and what Saul forgot to do, is he did not remain in God. We don't just engage with God once and then go about our business. We are to continually remain and engage with God. Saul could have come back to God when he realized he wasn't engaging with him and and said, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, I haven't engaged with you. I haven't listened to what you said, but he never did that. But we have the privilege of learning from his mistakes. And we can come back to God every time and say, I'm sorry, I haven't been connecting with you. I haven't been doing what you wanted me to do. We can choose, and it is a choice, to remain in Jesus and to continue to engage with him each day. And I want you to imagine for a second what it would look like for our church or for yourself to remain in God every single day, to engage with him and to move forward with him into what he wants. Imagine what it would be like if whatever that thing is that, that stops you, whatever that thing is that's your weakness, we all have areas of weakness in our life, that God wants to work on, whether it's fear or anxiety. Whatever it is that stops us, imagine what it would be like if we came to God and every day we connected and we engaged with him and we allowed him to work and we watched those things disappear. Imagine what the freedom would be like. Imagine the stories we'd have of people getting up and saying, look what God did this week. I, I met with him and this is what happened because we engage with him. Imagine how many lives we would change if we intentionally engage with God and then we step forward so that people who are not part of the church would hear about Jesus because we knew so much what God wanted because we connected with him so closely every day that we were seeing people come to know him. 
It's not really that hard for it to happen, I don't think. It's just intentionally every day connecting with God, working together with him, moving forward and seeing him do the work. Remember with the drill before, it wasn't us that did the effort. We joined and connected and then together with God, with his power, then that's when the effect comes. That's when the impact happens. So today, I want to challenge you because we never make it. There's never a, I connect with God this much and that's all I really need to do. That doesn't exist. We can always connect with God more. We can always be learning to engage in him, engage with him more. So today, I want to challenge you to make one, one small change in how you do things that will help you to engage with God more. Perhaps for you, you need, to, you need to decide on a time of day where you're going to set it aside and you're going to read the Bible and you're going to read a chapter of the Bible or a few verses, whatever it is, and say, God, what are you saying to me today? And you read it and you might go back over what you've read until you know what God's telling you that day. Perhaps you need to leave that room in your prayer time and say, God, what are you saying to me? Because remember, our relationship with God, it's not a one-way thing where we just come to him. He also wants to speak to us. Perhaps you need to find a mentor, someone who can keep you accountable with how well you connect with God. Especially if you're someone who connecting with God is really hard to do. Maybe you're really busy. Maybe you struggle with that, connecting with God. And you need someone to give you that extra support and extra um, push along in the right direction. Maybe you're not in a life group yet and meeting with other people, other Christians, is your next step in engaging with God and moving forward. Perhaps it's going to be as simple as changing your CD in your car or changing from the radio in your car, put on a worship CD and worship God while you're driving wherever it is you're going to go. There are so many things you could do. Go off social media for a certain amount of time so you connect with God. Put post-it notes around your house with words that remind you of what God has been saying to you. Perhaps you need to remember who you are as a Christian and you put them around so that you can remember it and you can, God can remind you of that and you can step out and engage with him through the day knowing that truth. There is plenty of things you can do. Today I want you to ask God what one thing is that you can do. For some people it's going to be bigger. For some of you, when we're at Colour Conference, um, Christine Kane, I don't know if you've heard of her, spoke and she said that sometimes we come to God and we bring these things and we feel like we're doing it over and over and over again and nothing changes. And she said, sometimes we need to give God more real estate. Sometimes we're holding on to things and saying, no, I really, I'm keeping this one. When God really wants us to give it to him so that he can work. So we're going to pray and we're going to ask God what that one thing is. And then I'm going to invite the worship team to come and stand out the front. And if you would like some extra support some extra prayer for this or for any other thing that's happening in your life at the moment and you want them to pray for you, then I want to encourage you to do that. But there's one more thing I want to do and I think it's really big and impacting before we pray. I want you to, we'll close your eyes, I want you to raise your hand if you know you need to connect with God more, that you need to be moving with him more and engaging with him more so that you move where he wants you to move.
just want you to raise your hand. And today I want that raised hand to be a sign to God and say, look, God, I recognize what I've done wrong, that I'm not engaging with you like I need to, and I choose today to put something in place. So let's pray. You can put your hand down again. Lord God, we thank you today that, that we know that we can engage with you, that we know that when we meet with you, your Holy Spirit moves in us and brings freedom to our lives. Lord God, for those people who have raised their hand today and made a commitment to say, look, I need to commit with you, to engage with you more and join with you more, I thank you, Lord God, for their boldness and for their honesty, Lord God. And Lord, as each one steps out and makes that one small or bigger change in how they live, that they will find you right there, meeting with them and helping them every step of the way. So Lord, we thank you that we can come to you so freely and easily and help us to remember to spend that time with you, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you in advance for the stories, the testimonies we're going to hear of what's happened and how people's lives have changed as a result of joining with you, moving with you, and going forward with you in this world, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Just invite the worship team to come forward. And again, if you want prayer for this, about engaging with God, if that's something you struggle with, or you just want people to get alongside you to encourage you, or if perhaps last week you learned about sickness, if you're unwell, whatever it is, I just want to encourage you to come forward. But if you, yeah, if you don't want any prayer today, that's okay too. And I just want to say that you're free to go and enjoy some morning tea. Have a chat with someone, encourage people and have a great week.